0: It's time for another edition of the Todd Pod. We're going to talk to Eli Letterman about the Premier League today. We had a thrilling Manchester City 3-3 draw over the weekend. Arsenal are extending their lead at the top of the table. And Benz, what are they and could they be coming to the sport of soccer? But first, a thank you to our sponsors, MidFirst Bank, Next Generation Roofing, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, And we want to remind you, when it comes to Oklahoma Fords, they are the best. All Fords are the best. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. How do I know? I've got a Ford Edge. It's a 2008 model. I am not easy on cars, and this Ford Edge has given me over 180,000 miles now, and it's still going strong. I drive them till the wheels fall off, and it's hard to make the wheels fall off of a Ford. So right now, you need to drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealer to check out all the deals on their full lineup of trucks and SUVs because Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Now let's get to the Todd Pod. Welcome back to the Todd Pod. My name is Todd Lisenby. I'm losing my voice a little bit. I've been doing a lot of play-by-play over the weekend. I also spent some time this weekend watching a little proper football, as did my guest today, Eli Letterman. He hosts the Letterman Jacket. He's joining me here on the Todd Pod today to talk about soccer and Eli, we have to start. I'm a Man City fan. You're a Tottenham fan. They played each other this past weekend. A three-three draw, an epic match where Man City were screwed. What were your thoughts?
1: Well, I was gonna ask. Are you sure you didn't lose your voice complaining about Simon Hooper and just yelling about Ugh. advantage and things like that? The worst. Um, I might. I might be able to compile. Let's see if I can do it. An argument saying that it was actually beneficial to City that uh, he provided the advantage and then pulled it back. I don't know. Um, but uh, it was, what, a, a fabulous game. 3-3, Spurs. Obviously, I, as a Spurs supporter, would have come away from it. The Letterman, Liz and B. Darby, probably feeling better, almost feeling like a win for Tottenham, given the state of things. Um, but it was entertaining. That's kind of the key point. And it's such an odd match. If you had told me, like, eight years ago, that Tottenham would be the Thorn and Pep Guardiola's side, year after year, I would have been like, not a chance but also that sounds like the most first thing ever and it's continued to prove to be the case when tottenham and manchester city meet not only are do tottenham give city a, a good fight but they tend to all be really entertaining games And we got another one over the weekend
0: yeah uh it I got off to quite an interesting start with uh sun scoring like within 90 seconds of each other a goal and then an own goal um and then you know I was actually I, I you and I were texting back and forth. I actually towards the end of the match was in the middle of a recording with uh Barry and Jenny and Garen about the college football playoffs. So yep. I didn't get a chance to watch it live. Probably a good thing. Uh but the big talking point after this match was the advantage that was not played from the city side of things for obvious reasons. Before we get to that though, I did think it was interesting. There was there's a obviously a lot of love and respect between Ange and Pep. Two fun uh two fun names to say, Ange and Pep, Ange Ball, Pep Ball, uh, Guardiola. Pep sounds like an
1: eighties like rap duo.
0: I know it it does. Ange and Pep does sound like maybe like a, a really good Motown group or something as mm-hmm. well. Uh but you know, Guardiola, Pasta Coglu, a couple of really strong four syllable last names. But there's obviously some respect between those two, not only just in the post-match reaction, but also the build-up, which I think is cool to see. And I, I do think, unless you're like a hardcore Arsenal supporter who, you know, is, is bred to hate Tottenham, you have to respect what Ange Postacoglu has done so far at Tottenham, just in the way they're playing, if for no other reason, and the excitement that he brings to the game.
1: I think they view the game pretty similarly. Obviously, uh, you know, we can talk about Ange Postacoglu in terms of sticking to his guns. I don't know if I've ever seen a manager kind of under the circumstances he's in sticking to what he does. We talked about pragmatism, right? I think the last time we were on here and you saw what Ange Postacoglu thinks of pragmatism. He'll start four fullbacks at the back and an attack. But, you know, those two, there's admiration there, obviously, from the fact that, uh Ange Pastacoglu was in the city football group at one point, so they're familiar familiar with each other's games in that sense. Culturally, probably some um overlap there. And then, you know, tactically, they, you know, it was made to be early on, at least with Pastacoglu. I think he's distinguished himself, but you know, people were saying he just swiped the inverted fullbacks from Pep. They do a lot of the same things. And you could see, as you mentioned in the build-up, uh over the course of the game, the similarities that they've got, and then afterward the things they had to say. There's a lot of respect there, and I do, just even from a neutral perspective, I think it's quite cool. We don't see that enough um, in the Premier League. More often than not, you're seeing all the juicy drama that we really enjoy, uh, throwback to Conte and Tuchel, but um, totally different is, is Ange versus Pep, and, and it was fun to see those teams go at each other, and, and on the Tottenham front, as I said, you know what, maybe what distinguishes them, not as a knock on Pep, but that Ange Postacoglu will not relent on what he wants his team to do, and you saw it in the second half. They they looked pretty woeful. They could have been down 5-1 at halftime. They weren't. They were lucky. And in Thanks the second for half, reminding me, Eli. I, I got you. That. No problem. Erling Holland. If mm-hmm. Erling Holland was upset about anything, I told you this, it should have been about all those missed chances uh, against a Ben Davis-Emerson Royale center back pairing, uh, not Simon Hooper and anything like that. But the fact is Tottenham you know, came out swinging and really improved in the second half. Kind of bossed moments of that game. We're still quite lucky. Look at the expected goals. City were over three-something. Spurs were like 0.56. But they took their chances, and it had the feel of a lot of past Man City games. I want to ask you this. Do you recall the City game? It would have been early 2020, City-Spurs. Zinchenko got sent off. Um, there was a penalty that Hugo Lloris saved. City had a ton of chances, and Spurs, the winner, came on a Steven Bergwijn goal. It was his debut. Any chance you remember it? I'm not just would that, been,
0: would that have been early season 2020 or like the no, end of was, the 1920 campaign? It was the 1920
1: campaign, but it was pre-COVID. So it would have been like Okay, so it was before January. project
0: restart. Okay. January or do, February. Yes, I do know of which match you speak of. Yes. This game had that feel.
1: I don't again, I'm not bringing it up just to twist the knife, but a game where City were all over Spurs at the start and really were, you know, I bet you if you looked at the xG from that game it was similar. Um, but where Tottenham just had a few moments of brilliance, uh, got out of a bunch of sticky situations. City maybe not quite clinical enough, and Tottenham beating them. And That's sort of been the theme of a lot of these Spurs City games. Is that um, you look at the chances, uh, you would and and sort of all the under the stats, you'd say City, uh, but Spurs simply just have this way against Pep sides, and it showed up again.
0: But I think I think also that's kind of a a hallmark of teams that play the way that Manchester City do, the way that Liverpool do at times, the way that Arsenal are starting to do now and the way that Tottenham want to do, which is when you're constantly attack attack full press full press trying to score goals, it's so much easier to give them up on the counter. Mm-hmm. You don't you can't just be better than your opponent. You have to be a lot better than your opponent to play that way and be successful. You have to be a lot more drilled in about how you do things. You can't just bang the ball out long. And I think, you know, when teams that play that way lose, it's generally the way that Man City lost on on Sunday. You're right.
1: Um, and I think, you know, that's now we're seeing more style clashes because the last few years you were seeing, for instance, Tottenham sit back. And that's how they would maybe go beat Manchester City was sitting back and hitting them on the counter. And there, there's some of that in here. You know, counterattacking is part of everybody's system, no matter what they're playing. But now you are seeing, you know, across the top four, uh, the well, current top four. I don't know the table moves as we speak. You know, we we're right as we record, we we saw that Arsenal uh, got their late winner against Luton. But point remember. being, you are talking about you know Arsenal team that's playing the Pep style, Liverpool playing in its progressive manner, Tottenham going from three straight, you know, pragmatic defensive coaches to now a, a similar style. You are seeing more of these clashes. And I think they're creating some really fun games at the top.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. You mentioned Arsenal. Uh, real, Real quick, before we get to Arsenal, I do want to ask, because I want your opinion. I mentioned Man City fans are upset. Simon Hooper, the match referee, he calls a foul on Erling Holland, who goes to the ground. He signals one hand as if to point, like there's a foul. And then as Holland gets up, he signals two hands. Sorry, I just hit my microphone. Two hands, which means play an advantage play and then Holland plays a perfect ball into Jack Grealish who's going to be in on goal and he blows the whistle and brings play back it was bad look look I know I I always say this and we had this discussion when you know we were both kind of as we were rolling our eyes into our head talking about the idea that there's some sort of officiating conspiracy against Oklahoma in football but usually assume ignorance not malice to me it was an ignorant mistake by Simon Hooper I don't think it was any malicious mistake but god it was a bad one Eli it was bad
1: if I'm gonna and I I promised again this is not just you know this benefited my team uh so I'm gonna get behind it but I I don't for one I don't believe this was on the level because of where it happened but also the reason it was such a big deal is because when it happened in the game I think if that happens in the 35th minute, we're probably not even talking about it. And I think in the realm of the officiating issues across the Premier League this season, this was a few pegs down, right? This wasn't the Tottenham Liverpool game, this wasn't the Newcastle Arsenal game, but it was bad, and it was in a huge moment where I'll give uh, you say ignorance not malice. I, I I lean there, and I do think that's a hard call for Simon Hooper, who because when referees once they've given advantage, if that. If they give the advantage and Spurs stop it, what's going to happen? Erling Holland is going to get up and ask why he played advantage and did, didn't give them a free kick, correct? Just sure. on balance. Sure. And so I think that, I'm not saying that's right, uh, but you know, I think that adds pressure. You see it. He moves the whistle right up to his mouth the second he plays advantage, ready to blow if he has to. Because perhaps in the back of his head, and we're talking about split-second things, Simon Hooper says, I've got to be ready to call this and, and give them the free kick. I'm not saying it was the right call or that he handled it perfectly. I think these guys have impossibly hard jobs. We seem to learn that every weekend more and more. And that's the product of kind of a bang bang situation where it just ends total egg on the face for Simon Hooper.
0: Yeah, I guess my thought is the advantage is not over until the other team takes the ball away or is obviously first to the ball. So when the ball's played forward, if there's a city player around it, you should continue to play that inv- advantage until a Tottenham player takes the ball away, and at that point, you can bring it back. If it's one pass, I think you can allow it a couple bounces. I think so. I think he you know was I mean? trigger
1: happy, which I think yeah, is just yeah, like, for just sure. Sucks. for sure. Uh, and, look, and I, we, I also
0: we, go ahead.
1: Well, and I do wonder. I would love to have seen it from his perspective. I wonder yep. at that point, Grealish is clear beyond like three Tottenham defenders. He might have. I don't know what he saw from there. I mean, again, these are all just you know benefit the doubt kind of things, um, all of which benefited Tottenham. Um, for, but for, but all I, I for all
0: I know, he might not have seen Grealish. He might have been hiding behind a defender but, and not not been able to see him.
1: I think all that again, ignorance, malice. I lean toward the latter there, and I think that's what happened. But it was just the timing couldn't have been worse from just a are we going to have to talk about the officiating again standpoint because it was a pretty yeah. glaring error. And it happened in the biggest moment of the game. Um and that's a shame in, in part because it, it what it took away from a, a really good game of, of, of soccer.
0: Well, I just know it it's you have to be lucky and really good to win a Premier League title. Um and Manchester City are obviously really good. They've in their last two matches had that call that went against them that very well could have changed the game in the match before had a really soft foul given when they went up 2-0 on Liverpool and a, a goal was taken away and they drew 1-1. So sometimes those little small decisions don't go your way over the course of a season and you've got to do extra to make up for it. Uh, Man City have been the benefactor of plenty of decisions. So it's not like uh, any any fixes in for them. Let's talk about Arsenal, though. You mentioned moments before we started this podcast recording Arsenal win on a ninety seventh minute Declan Rice ninety seventh minute Declan Rice header against uh, Luton Town four three in midweek. So as we record this right now, Arsenal, I believe if my math is correct, are seven or yeah seven points clear first place right or six <laughs> points of Liverpool seven of City in third I think.
1: All right. I mean, we've seen Arsenal with big leads at the top of the table pretty recently. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, they keep gutting out wins and I, it's going to be part of that debate, you know, of is the fact that they have to keep doing this and they're playing tight games, a signal that they don't have that next year, that they're not quite where they were last year, or is it going to be the argument that they haven't gotten, you know, they haven't peaked yet. Uh, that was the issue last year. They peaked too early that they've got that extra gear to kick into, but this is kind of another game where I mean, Luton town, putting up three on them. Uh, I don't think David Raya had a great game. I know we've talked about their goalkeeper situation. I think just want to to keep an eye on keep look, you destabilize your quarterback. Uh, Well, there's a a slip, right? I said quarterback (laughs) situation because I'm thinking about it. Like we think about, you know, Mike Gundy and and Stillwater until they were a mess until they sorted out their quarterback situation, a little bit different in soccer. But as we've said, you know, Sometimes it's all about inches and, you know, the saves, the the difference between making a save and letting a ball go through your hands is marginal. And when you've destabilized things to some extent there, you wonder. But uh, what's your takeaway with Arsenal right now and the fact that they are winning plenty, you know, clear at the top, as you said, but maybe not looking as dominant as you'd expect for a team at the top of the table?
0: Well, I think this goes into recency. Like, we just moments ago watched them beat Luton on a last-minute header, and technically the score was 2-1 this weekend against Wolves. But go back to what they did midweek in the Champions League and what they did the first 15 minutes against Wolves, you can see how clinical they can be in stretches. Oh, absolutely. And, And I think, honestly, to me, it's been impressive because over the last seven days we've seen three matches where Arsenal has looked and won matches in two completely different ways and it, it was almost like the first three halves, and then the second three halves, and it kind of ended at halftime against Wolves, having to hold on in that second half. So I'm I'm impressed with how they're doing it. And look when they when they get going like they did in the Champions League midweek last week. Who was that against? Was that against Longs? R C Longs? Long? Yes. Uh, I love saying that. <laughs> uh, but
1: All the French they, names really do rule. Ren, they do. Longs.
0: Long. When they look like that, it's, I mean, it's easy to see how they could be a team that has the quality to win a Premier League. They they look the part to me right now. And look, am I, am I like, scared as a Man City fan of, that City aren't going to get back in the title race? I mean, would I rather them be seven points clear of Arsenal? Of course, but it's a long, long season, and we've seen that play out over the course of the last decade so many times. Arsenal is going to have to show it over the course of a season. Last year, they did it for about three quarters of a season. It, that last quarter is the difference between a really good team and a championship team. And I, I do think that this year, Arsenal might be that championship team. I think it's possible. We're, I know we're
1: going to talk about some of the other kind of top of the table teams, but I do think you asked me, might have been off air, might have been on air, You know how many teams I thought were in the title race. And I think that group is expanding by the week. There's levels to it. Um, you know, if you're talking, if if you're going to include, let's say Spurs and Aston Villa in that group, I I think there's levels of contention and just where teams are at in their projects. But the way, for instance, that just about everybody in that top five, top six right now has taken it to other teams in the top five, top six, uh, especially, you know, you talk about Newcastle and Spurs depleted at times, uh, city have had their injuries, same for Arsenal, Liverpool. I, I don't know about five team title race, but I do think, some really competitive football at the top of the table, maybe for, for champions league or so on from there.
0: You mentioned Liverpool, Liverpool get a four, three win over Fulham over the weekend. Uh, Liverpool get the comeback. win. it moves them up into third and it's worth noting, Eli, we've got Liverpool arsenal coming up December 23rd. That's going to be a fun, like right around Christmas, juicy matchup. That's
1: going to be really good. I'm going to be like curled up something hot in a cup. Will Maybe you be will you, the-
0: now? what's your I, I don't want you if you know, I don't want you to go all home alone here and have the wet bandits come in and uh rob your <laughs> apartment while you're gone on vacation. But what's your vacation schedule for Christmas? You're going to get to go back uh-huh. home.
1: I am going to be home, which will be nice. So I'll be watching some Premier League day, a Premier League around, you know, festive period from home. I will be watching Boxing Day action on my way from New York to San Antonio for the Alamo Bowl. Um, but I will be getting home. But yeah, I can't reveal the dates because the Wet Bandits. I don't know. It'd be a really lame like fifth. I think there's been there were four Home Alones. The fifth Home Alone. That's like old Joe Pesci and God. This gets dark. But I do know uh, the actor who played Marv is no longer with us. Uh, if I'm, I hope I'm correct there. Um, I don't think it would be you
0: pretty,
1: are. Well, now I gotta look. You feel while it's, I look. It's, we Daniel, can't,
0: it's Daniel Stern is the actor. Yes. Because he also plays coach uh coach Brickma or Rickma on uh, Rookie of the not Rookie, is it Rookie of the Year? Yeah, Rookie of the Year. You gotta look that up. I think I don't he's still know why with I this.
1: just killed Daniel Stern. No, he's, he's with us. He's absolutely with us. <laughs> okay. that's, that's terrible. Uh, for Daniel Stern, I'm sorry. Now uh, I will supporter of a the, Premier League team. I hope you get three points over the festive period.
0: The old guy that was shoveling snow in the neighborhood, he's for sure gone. He's and the Bird gone. Lady, I believe, is also gone from one of the Home Alone movies. But wow. Daniel Stern is I'm still with I'm not going to get them. past that. I don't know why I thought that. It's, it's okay. It's okay. I don't know if um, it is okay. We're, we're not going to kill Daniel Stern or Manchester City on this show. They're both still very much alive, uh, <laughs> as is Liverpool. As I mentioned, they've got that matchup coming up on December 23rd. And then also still alive, still in fourth, just one point back of Manchester City is Aston Villa. Now they do get a 2-2 draw over the weekend against Bournemouth. Ollie Watkins uh, rescues the point in the 90 minute, 90th minute for the villain. I think, again, as we record this, we've got City Villa coming up tomorrow at Villa Park. I think I might be going, and I might check your availability too. K-Man and I might be finding a TV to watch that game somewhere.
1: If you and K-Man are finding a TV, that means I've got some license to knock off work, right? The boss man yes. is doing it. Then yes. maybe I can. Well, you, you holler at me on that. That's going to be a fun game. Again, that's more of a clash of differing styles because as we talk about, you know, all the teams sort of playing that attacking front foot, Unai Emery is doing amazing things, but it does still, they play that ridiculously high line trying to get teams to be offside and then they will, they'll, but they'll also let you come at them and, and they'll counterattack you. They did it to Tottenham. Uh, obviously, City, at least at the moment, we, it's all relative, but shaky City. Uh, most teams would bite their arm off to be whatever City are when they're, quote, shaky. Um, but that's going to make for a really interesting matchup. We've got a lot of fun ones uh, coming up, and it's going to be a really fun month of games. I hope across the league on the whole that like, teams stay healthy. Spurs are getting healthier, Newcastle maybe on their way um, because we have so many fun ties up ahead. But it's a shame when you go into a, a match just kind of knowing one side really isn't what they should be when at full strength.
0: Yeah, it's going to – I mean, we talked about it, and maybe there was a little bit of a look-ahead factor for um, Aston Villa. I know that everyone thinks that's a factor in football. I'm sure it's a factor in nearly every sport. Mm-hmm. Villa's next two home matches, Man City and Arsenal. So
1: Those will be tests.
0: I, yeah, I think I think maybe against Bournemouth, a little bit of a let off the gas for Villa, but there's no doubt that they're going to get back on the gas very quickly. It's going to be one of the biggest matches at Villa Park in some time uh, this weekend, or excuse me, tomorrow as we record this when they play Man City. And then if they are to win this, this weekend, it's going to be an even bigger match against uh, Arsenal coming up. So um, I think it's going to be, uh, I will say, if you're a Man City fan, you root for Villa on Saturday. If you're an Arsenal fan, you root for them on Wednesday, and then you try to beat them on the other days, which will be interesting. So uh, Villa, Villa. I do think are going to play a big part in the title race this year because they are good enough to take points off of those teams at the top. If you don't play well, we'll see if they can get any points these next few days against City and then against Arsenal. How about Newcastle? One, Man United, nil. Big problems, big problems at Man United. There are reports that Eric Ten Hag does not have the dressing room. Which is always a bad thing to lose the dressing room. Um, and
1: Surely they wouldn't be disciplining news outlets, right? If things were all great. I guess uh, what I was reading is they discipline them not as retribution, but for not uh, for reporting. I think some of that stuff about Ten Hogg in the locker room and probably Jaden Sancho for not checking with the club first. Always, you know, when you are focused, eyes on the prize, well, that's and not what at you all. You learned as a
0: reporter, isn't it, at Missouri? Isn't that what they told you?
1: Yeah, it's fair, but it 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 screams like. Uh, I'm not upset. Do not put in the newspaper that I am upset. Right. Uh, it's uh, I think that's a drill tweet like that. If you're worried about that stuff, you're already maybe screwed is the point because they've got so many issues. I feel like last week we were we were talking about, you know, Ten Hag saying, you know, I, I just don't have the players to play like I want to or like I played at Ajax. But away from that, like they had actually been on a really nice run of form in terms well, of. What killed, it
0: though, what killed it, though, was the Champions League screw-up.
1: Yeah, no, that's the thing. They were on a nice run, and then they've just got another rough day for Andre Onana, who I really like and I really believe is like a, a very good goalkeeper. But something about playing for United right now just saps guys of confidence and of ability, it seems. And he's another example. And then you hear these reports that, you know, this is never a good sign. Believe me, I'm a Tottenham fan. I've heard it a lot. When, player, when you start hearing players don't know what they're running for or feeling overworked, it's over. They said yeah. it under Conte. They said it under Mourinho. Nuno wasn't around long enough for that to be, to be a storyline. But when you start hearing that, it's never good. Um, I'm not yet shipping Ten Hag, and I don't know if this is fair to him. You know, it's, it, I only have to go back to Ralph Rangnick, uh, who basically said, I'm sure Eric's you know, a great manager, but the problems at United are bigger than the manager. He might be falling into that same trap that others have, which is no matter how hard you try, the the
0: rot at other parts of the club is just too much to overcome. You hate to see it. Uh, We do have some good midweek matches. You do have Man United-Chelsea coming up on Wednesday. You've got Aston Villa and Man City coming up on Wednesday as well. By the time you see this podcast, those matches will have finished. And then on Saturday, you've got Aston Villa-Arsenal, as I mentioned, and then Tottenham hosting Newcastle on Sunday, which is a big match as well. So your Spurs are right back at it this weekend. That should be a fun one.
1: I'm excited for that one. And two teams that have been pretty heavily depleted. Uh, I'll say this, Newcastle goalkeeper David De Gea, rumored rumored with Nick Pope out until, I think, April. Separated a shoulder. I'd know a thing or two about that. Um, I'm back on the. I was back on the pitch within two and a half months. So I don't know what this four month, four month uh, deal is for Nick Pope. I mean, we're probably exerting similar amounts of energy and physical exertion, but it's going to take him four months. We might have eventually Newcastle goalkeeper
0: David De Gea. What would that look like to you? It would be. Uh, it'd be kind of funny because, right? It, and to me, like, if you don't like Man United, I'm a Man City fan, so obviously I don't. How can it not be funny? The way mm. they screwed up the whole David De Gea thing in the offseason and brought in Onana and oh, that fixes the problems. But then it doesn't, you know, it, I, and it, here's
1: the thing it's a win win. Either he's fabulous and it just looks worse for United or he struggles as he has at points in the past. And it's just kind of continuing to laugh at that. But as for the game, Tottenham, Newcastle, I think it's it, I mean, it's a huge one for both sides. And I think given where both are, you know, Tottenham get a result, you know, classic three straight losses. Then you go get a result at city this, ha- and, and now they're starting to get guys back has the potential to be that climb back. You know, if they, let's say they beat West Ham and midweek and then can beat Newcastle, that's huge. But flip side, Newcastle, if they can, you know, pick up a win midweek and beat Spurs, they are riding, you know, they'll, they'll be riding three straight wins at least while they're totally depleted and wins that include Manchester United and Spurs, uh, teams they're competing with, obviously for Europe. So that, to me, I think is going to have a lot in it. And I, do we know where that match is? I've been tuned out it's
0: at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. All right,
1: that's good because the last time Spurs were at St James's Park, I don't know if you remember that one. That was the five one. Oh, Spurs I do remember were that. Yeah, like twenty four minutes in, I went for a walk that day. By the way, I was just watching, and I had a I had a friend in town. He was like, oh, let's watch the game together." And I wasn't feeling good about Spurs at the time. I said, "Sure." 24 minutes in he was like let's go for a walk and we just took a walk because it was much better than what was going on uh, on, on the telly that
0: day. now that was inner caretaker manager right i forgot they're not interims
1: yeah that was it for one christian stellini uh and uh, an right. official l for the idea of sacking a manager and going with his number two shockingly it didn't work and that was the death nail on that
0: my, how things have changed for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, it's I I have to, sometimes I just have to laugh because I'm very fortunate to not have experienced those things as a fan in the last few years. So it's, uh, it's all coming to me in due time, I'm sure. This time next year, Man City will be playing in the conference, I'm sure, <laughs> against like, uh, you know, uh, Aldershot Town and teams like that are going to be playing against Man City. Before we go, Eli, big talking point last week. The discussion of sin bins. For those that don't know what sin bins are, it's a penalty box. And the thought is that just like in rugby, you can take a player and say, hey, you have been in the ref's face too much. Descent, as they call it in soccer, go spend five or ten minutes in the penalty box. This would be a way of not having to give someone a yellow card for going to the sin bin. Also the thought is I think the the discussion is that if you go to the sin bin twice you go you're ejected it's like a red card but there a I don't think there's a suspension and b you can be subbed for so someone can come in for you if you have been sin binned out of the game double sin bin it's it's all an effort to um uh, to minimize how often we see when a ref's whistle gets blown and everyone runs around him and surrounds him and yells at him. And I think most fans want to see that. I think it would make the game better. But is this the best way to do it, Eli? Just a clarifying
1: point, is the Sinbin exclusively for like dissent or is it for orange card tackles as well? Like kind of the I, in my, between understand, my
0: understanding is that it's exclusively for dissent. You know, and and the the way this all started, for the record, it started in lower levels of like non-league football in England. And what they found is there's way less dissent because you're afraid you're going to be send bend, and also there are way fewer yellow cards given. I like the sound
1: of that. I do feel like more and more we're finding solutions for the game of football that make it look less and less like football, like VAR. Is such an albatross of a debate. Like, we don't need to go all the way down there. But I, it, to me, both in terms of how the game is played and how the game feels, VAR has diminished something, right? I mean, even uh, the Spurs game, the two goals they scored, the two equalizers, both times I was like a little bit reserved because you just don't want to celebrate too much and you're looking around for the offside flag or a foul or something. That sucks. Like, that's the opposite of what the game is supposed to be. And while I love the idea of, kind of everything you laid out in terms of maybe what the sin bins can give us feels like another solution for a football problem that makes the game less and less the game. That's kind of where I land on it. And I hear bear in the background, I think agreeing with me.
0: That's bear telling me to wrap this bad boy up. So I'm going to do just that. Eli, uh, the letterman jacket, there's lots going on with OU football right now. Dylan Gabriel's in the transfer portal. Your BFF key Lawrence is in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. He can't tell you how great your hair looks anymore. Uh, but there's a lot of portal movement out and then here pretty soon in as well with Oklahoma. And then also we've got signing day coming up. OU basketball in the AP poll. You've got plenty going on, correct? Indeed. It's
1: busy season. We th- you think football regular season ends and we slow down, but we've had coordinator searches, we've had quarterbacks in the portal. We got hoops going on in Norman headed to a game tonight, loads going on. So I will be staying busy and keeping things going. Uh, Sell out crowd, elab letterman.com. We got lots going on.
0: We also, uh, if you didn't get to see it, we had a roundtable discussion about the college football playoff that I uh, participated in with Barry and Jenny and Garen. Uh, we'll have another one of those discussions coming up after the SEC schedule release as well. So keep that on the, uh, keep on the lookout for that as well. We want to thank our producer, Jacqueline Musgrove. We want to thank our creative director, Michael Lane, Michael Martin, and Bobby Howard as well. Most of all thanks to you for watching and listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Todd Pod, tell your friends, leave a comment, give us a like, all that good stuff. Give us a five-star rating. You can find us anywhere you find your podcasts or over on YouTube. Until next time, you've been listening to the Pod, the Pod, the Todd Pod.